0: Just to confuse you, I'm going to do a little short message here, uh, and we'll do the Bible part, and we'll do the application later on. but uh, you know, as we were talking, uh, and as we were talking about uh, the persecuted church, also, I think it behooves us to recognize that the power of the gospel is what really can change our world, change our culture. And as we talk about that, I don't know that there's a better place to start than in the book of Acts, and there's a story called the Ethiopian eunuch. This right here kind of gives the picture of two different passages I think of in Scripture. First of all, uh, we're, and Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 3 that there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor, free me, uh, nor female, or free men or bond. In the eyes of Christ Jesus, as we come to the table of the Lord, as we come in the understanding and the community of the gospel, God sees no difference. The gospel is the great reconciler reconciler, and its power. So as we talk about this story, I think that behooves us to understand that. Also, I want to show you a chart because a lot of times people think of Christianity as, as cultural to North America. Or they think of religion as cultural to whatever area they live in. They think religion is just an extension of culture, and that may be true for a lot of religions and a lot of cultures. But let me let's look at Christianity. Um, we know that Christianity. You see the red dot, which is now Israel, and by the way, the yellow marks Christianity. The um, the green is Islam, and then you see uh, Buddhism and different other religions that are represented here. But we know Christianity basically started where that red dot is, and with Jesus, and then the twelve. The 12 became 72, then 300, then there was Pentecost with 3,000. So it starts in that area. <clears throat> but what's interesting is it spreads to Europe. And what's interesting is the area where it started is the area we, we don't see it now. When, it, when Christianity does become merely an extension of the culture, uh, you start to see its death when it simply, simply is a part of the culture. But we see from there it moved to Europe and Asia then it moved across the sea. This is Christianity. The power of the gospel moves across to North America. From North America, it goes into Latin America and South America. It has now moved into Africa. Africa, which was somewhere between 5 and 10% Christian 100 years ago in the 1900s, is now 50% Christian in Africa. You see this brownie also into the ocean basically what we'd call Australia is the better way to put it, in the Pacific Islands, uh, that area. But also you see the brown area, which is traditionally Buddhism and Taoism, but traditionally Buddhism. We now see Christianity literally exploding. Nearly 14% of the Christians that live in the world now are in China because of the rapid growth we're seeing. Matter of fact, by 2050, there'll be more Christians in China than there will be in North America you see the power of the gospel. Most religions, you see that it stays in its general localized area because they're more culturally natured. So in India, India is still by and large, that's where Hinduism starts by and large. That's still where most of the Hindus uh, reside. Uh, We see the same thing um, with with Buddhism. Um, And even though, again, we see Christianity really coming on strong there right now, and even Islam, even though Islam has now bled over uh, into what we would call Southeast Asia as well. But by and large, they stay, the predominant, The most of them stay in that area. Incidentally, you know how many, uh, we think of that we're kind of the Christian world sometime, but you know how, what percentage of the world uh, that we are of the Christians in North America? About 12%. 88% of the Christians in the world are not in North America. And so, what we see is the spread of the gospel. This is prophetic, by the way, Uh, if you go back and read scripture, uh, that it would be preached into all the world, all nations. So, I don't think this is by coincidence or accident. Matter of fact, that area, that the green, what we're seeing now, we're seeing more Muslims come to Christ than at any other time in recent history. Kind of crazy. Uh, It tells me the Spirit of the Lord is working and moving. Now I want to share with you a story we've probably heard before, but I think it's a great story and gives us a great picture of understanding how Jesus encourages us to cross over and reconcile across racial and geographical lines. So if you have your Bible, look with me to the, to the book of Acts, chapter eight, beginning with the 26th verse, and let's look at this passage. The gospel, or excuse me, the book of Acts. Acts, and we see the gospel reconciling people to God, uh, that we were far apart from God and because of our sin, but he reconciled us through Christ Jesus. And here, as the early church starts, there are several stories we see in the book of Acts uh, in this area. One will be about the Samaritan that came, came earlier, that accepted Christ, the story of him. We'll see the story of a Roman who comes, but this one is of particular interest right here as we look at this story. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip we know is one of uh, the followers of Christ. We know he, matter of fact, literally was a, a deacon as well. He ri- said, rise and go toward the south and that goes from Jerusalem to, to Gaza. The Spirit is moving. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace. All right, let's stop right there. So Philip, who is a Hellenistic Jew, who is very well-educated, who knows Judaism very well, has always kept himself kosherly clean. He is led by the Spirit. He's, he's trusted Christ. He's been led by the Spirit to completely go outside of his paradigm. Okay, He's completely leaving his paradigm Matter of fact, as we speak about Ethiopia, if you go back to Acts chapter one, verse eight, when Jesus is giving the commission to his followers, he said, "I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to go to Judea, and then to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world." Ethiopia was considered the uttermost part of the earth at this time. Okay, so it's depending on where you are, it's somewhere between three hundred and thousand miles south. It's south of Egypt. Uh, there's the Ethiopia area we now know, the, the Nubia area that includes Sudan now. This would have been a long way, and they were considered barbarians. They're considered a long way away. This is the picture of what's happening. So he's, he sees this guy who's geographically from a different place. He's ethnically, he's a, he's a black African. He's ethnically different. He's culturally different. And then he's a eunuch, which means he has been castrated, all right? That was very common. Sometimes they did that for slaves who would who would live in the courts, but you could even voluntarily do that. So if he was an Ethiopian, he could have voluntarily done it. And you go, why on earth would you do that? Good question. We think very individualistically, but they would think culturally, and they would think, this is a chance for my family to be taken care of, for us to become wealthy, for us to have position and someone might actually pay that price. And they, had to, they did that because you would be working with the royal family. That, they wanted to keep the royal family pure. They wanted to not have to worry about what was going on. And so that was the price that some paid. And this guy basically is the CFO. It says that he's in charge of all the treasury for the Queen of Candace, All right, So he is a very strong position. He is probably very wealthy with a lot of power, but he's a eunuch. So he's from a different culture. He's from a different ethnic background. He has uh he's been sexually altered to the point that in, in Judaism before he couldn't have gotten into the main part of the temple. And so for every reason, they are different. And in Philip's former life, he would have stayed away from this guy. But the spirit leads him to go, and literally the spirit leads him to go and said. As, he, as he'd come to Jerusalem to worship, he was returning. This is talking about the Ethiopian eunuch. And he's returning from being in Jerusalem. It's probably one of the great feasts, maybe tabernacles, uh, maybe Passover. We're not certain, but one of the feasts he's probably come to. Maybe he's heard... And when Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit fell at Pentecost, maybe he's heard maybe there was somebody else that happened to be in town from Ethiopia and witnesses. We don't know how that he knows about it. But he also has a copy of the scroll of Isaiah, and he's reading it. He is a seeker of God. He is a seeker of truth. And so he happens to be reading it. The Spirit of God brings him here, not as a coincidence, but this is divine providence. And the Bible says, And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So this guy is rolling along. Philip sees him. And so then the Bible said in the next verse, so Philip ran to him. It's not just he walks up to him, he's moving. So Philip's running beside him and he says, do you know what you're reading? And the guy says, no. And so he's running to him. You think that was uncomfortable? Here's somebody I don't know. He's from a different background, ethnically, uh, different religiously, different uh, sexually. Everything about him is different. And he runs up to him. The Spirit says, go to him. Matter of fact, in the old King James Version, it says, go and stay with him. Go and be right there with him. And he said, as he heard him reading this passage from Isaiah, this prophetic passage that was written 800 years before, he said, how... As he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And then he invited Philip up to come and sit with him in the chariot. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, the prophetic passage from the book of Isaiah about the Messiah, about the suffering servant who would come. It says what? Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Now, this is talking about the life of Christ and how Christ would die. All right, And he's reading this, but he doesn't understand it. But Philip tells him, and he asks this question. The eunuch says to Philip, I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or someone else? This is resonating with him. This passage is resonating with him. Who is it? Is this this prophet or is it someone else? And what's interesting, if Christ did not come, this is a very hard passage uh, for Judaism before. But Christ has now come. Philip knows the Messiah. He knows Jesus. And the Bible says at this point, then Philip opened his mouth, beginning with this scripture, this passage, this prophetic passage that he knew Jesus had fulfilled. And he told him what? The good news. That's what the word gospel He told them the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Here's the deal. And we don't have the guy's name. But here's the deal, Mr. Treasurer of the state. Here's the deal. You know what? I know that you've heard lots of religions. And culturally, everybody has a religion affiliated with them. But here's the difference about Jesus, about Christianity. Every other religion is trying to be good enough, trying to earn their way, trying to get themselves into a position where they earn God's favor, where they can know God. But Christianity is different. God has come to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ, and he has given his life. As the suffering suffering servant, he has given grace that we can be saved through faith in him. He shares the hope and the good news of the gospel about Jesus And as they were going along the road, they came to the water and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? The eunuch had seen people baptized before. People got baptized into different faiths. Uh, It wasn't just unique to Christianity by any means. When you were publicly baptized, that was a picture of I have totally committed, I have totally reconciled to this faith or to this cause. That's what that word reconciliation means. It means to change. I was believing or operating under one set of principles or one worldview or one belief, but I have completely changed and I am adopting. I am committing my life to. I have committed my life to. And this is a testimony. This is the picture. This is the wedding ring of my salvation, of my commitment. And he said, there's water. Can I be baptized? I believe in Jesus Christ. And he put his faith and hope in him. And how did he find out? He found out because somebody crossed racial barriers. They crossed cultural barriers. They crossed economic barriers. They crossed geographic barriers. The Spirit led... And can I tell you that? Jesus is leading us to do that today through the power of the gospel. The power and the reconciliation of the gospel. Well... I want our men to uh, come and share testimony in just a second here. But before they do, there's a video. This is a ministry that we work with, we partner with. Some of you partner with us, we sponsor. And uh, we're so delighted we get to partner with them. And if you've not been here before, you're in for a treat. But I want you to just see a picture. And again, this video is kind of strong, has drug usage in it. So I want to tell you right up front, if you're worried about your children, you can go get them water right now, okay? Uh, But I want you to see this video. Otherwise, And then we are going to have our men come up. As a matter of fact, men, if you would come on up after this video gets about halfway into it, if you go ahead and come on up and be ready to go. If you would, turn your attention to the screen as we see a picture of what the men of Nehemiah do. Thank you so much. Well, hey, I want to give us uh, the other part of the sermon, and this is the application. Um, We all have attitudes toward race, and we all deal with racism on Some level. And I want to share uh, some categories that we can see where we are uh, as we look at this issue of reconciliation and the power of the gospel. So let's look at those. You know, some people are just racist. It's just all it is. And what does racism mean? Racism, someone who hates people, bullies people, discriminates because of race, while others uh, might be bigots. They believe the stereotypes. They look down on other people because of the race. Maybe they don't overtly say it, but it comes out in other ways and it comes out behind the scenes. Some are apathetic. I just don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It's not my problem. It's not my issue. I'm just apathetic. I just don't care about it. Some people are avoiders. Look, I'll just stay in my lane and you stay over there. You do your world, I'll do my world, and I won't come in your world, and let me just avoid you if you're a different color, if you're a different color, if you're a different creed, if you're a different background. Let's just stay away from each other. Let's just avoid it, and we'll all be happy. That is a form of racism. Or maybe you're just um, insensitive. Well, you know what? it's just making too big a deal about that. It's just too big a deal. Yeah, I know things have been hard. Maybe some things weren't right, but... Why why does that always got to be such a big deal? That's the spirit of insensitivity. Now, let me tell you, for the believers in Christ Jesus, because we are all united in Christ, because Galatians tells us in chapter 3 that there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus bonds us together. He is the minister of reconciliation. He is the cause. He is the purpose for which we all exist and live for as believers in Christ Jesus. So how does he expect us to respond to the Ethiopian eunuch, to those of a different background, those whom whom we have not been raised, those whom maybe we're uncomfortable? How does he expect us to respond to the new family who's moved in on the street who's of a different background, or at work, or even at church? Well, number one, let's just start at kindergarten level, okay? Kindergarten, for believers in Christ Jesus, be kind. That's kindergarten. It's just like we teach our kids when they start. Let's be nice to each other, okay? Just be kind. That's the first. That's just elementary. If we can't get that. We failed, all right? That's just the beginning, to be kind, to smile, to say hi, to welcome, okay? That's just what civility that's just what we owe all people okay so to be kind so if you're only five or six today then you can just do that all right but if you're going to graduate from kindergarten the next step is inclusive to invite people come sit with me or get to know them what is your name get to know their name get to know about their life get to know about their family get to know what they do take time to visit, to listen, to maybe eat together, to begin to talk about your life and let them know who you are. But where God really wants us to be is to graduate from high school and to be reconcilers. Remember we talked about that word reconcile means to change. It means I operated in one spirit. This was my viewpoint. This was my belief. And I've totally changed. Now I have this viewpoint. Now I have this now. I have this faith. Now I have this commitment. It's a complete change. That's what it means to reconcile. It means to invite people into your life. You know them, they know you. It's not a one-sided paternalistic mentality. You know what? I will help those people. I'm gonna help those guys. Like I'm the great savior and I'm gonna get no, it's it's where it becomes a two-way where they know you and you know them. They know about your life. They know about your struggles. You start to share life, and you listen. You don't try to fix it all. You listen, and you enter into relationship and life together. That's reconciling because we are all in all. We are all one spirit. We are all one church in Christ Jesus. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty when we come before the Lord, that he doesn't see our backgrounds. He doesn't see our cultures. It is by faith in Christ, the power of the gospel, that we were all sinners. We all needed forgiveness, and Christ has reconciled us through the cross. And so we are no long, no, no matter are we better, not only are we not better, we're not worse. We are in Christ Jesus, and it it's his merit, his favor. His grace that has given us our identity in Christ Jesus, in which we all share as believers in Christ Jesus. So I ask you, do you find yourself on the upper part of that list? Then we all need to repent and ask forgiveness. And as we get toward the bottom of the list, you kind? you might say, well, I'm kind. I smile, I say hi, I wave. It's good. I'm proud of my five-year-old when they do that too. All right? But I don't want them to stay five all their life. I want them to start including, and I want them to start living, reconciling, going from being nice to being, I want to be a part of your life, and I want you to be a part of my life. And I see us as one in Christ Jesus. How can we partner together for the cause of the gospel to bring glory to God? What about you? I want us to pray together. Would you do that with me? Father in heaven, I thank you that while we were still sinners, you died for us. It wasn't because we earned it or deserved it. Lord, I thank you that Christianity is based upon the principle and the promise and the truth that God has come to us and he has granted grace and forgiveness for all who will receive recognize our sin, race, recognize our racism, our bigotry, our greed, our selfishness, our pride, our ego, and lay at the cross and say, God, I have nothing to give you but my sin, but I ask for your grace and your mercy to be poured out and to forgive me. God, I come to you. And Lord, whatever that means, if that means going across the street, across town, Lord, across the church house, Lord, I commit to get out of my comfort zone and to trust your spirit. Lord, help me to see like you see. And Lord, help me to feel what you feel. And Lord, as a lost world sees us as believers uniting together, as they see us coming together, reconciling in relationship with you and with one another, Lord, we can begin to give hope to a hopeless world that's addicted to systems that do not work. Let us be addicted to a Savior who's already done the work, and let us enter into a relationship through Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For anyone today that doesn't know you, I pray that you draw them by the power of your Spirit, that they might know you as Savior. In your name I pray, amen.